What's up guys? It's me, JC. I'm here. Um, episode 15. Actually, coming off a pretty sweet Memorial Day weekend. I mean, I know all my peeps out here in Miami got rained out. But uh, I was lucky enough to go to New York City for the weekend. Uh, I got to hang out with my boy Lennon, who you guys are about to hear from on this podcast. Uh, he actually went to a uh, music conservatory out in Manhattan for classical music. He's a guitar player. So, I mean, as far as, like, credentials go, <laughs> he's the most qualified guitar player that I know. Um, and I also happen to have grown up with him, and we grew up playing instruments together. So I thought it'd be a cool way to, you know, have him on the show and just kind of delve into what it's like to go to a classical music school and play in an, in an orchestra and stuff like that or uh, in ensembles. Uh, so I thought it was cool. He was awesome. You know, I had a great time. I actually went out to a comedy show. Uh, out in uh, downtown Manhattan and I met uh, Big J Okerson from uh, the Legion of Skanks and that's another podcast that I'm a huge fan of I mean shout out to them <laughs> they don't need a shout out from me but yeah I met Big J Okerson he was super cool uh, so uh, that was fun uh, also got to go out to Brooklyn out to Littlefield this venue out there shout out to Littlefield and check out two local bands from the NYC scene and uh, Uncrossing and Activator, both sick bands. I know for sure that Uncrossing's on Spotify and stuff like that, so check them out. And they're also on Instagram. Uh, they were super cool people, uh, and I had a great time checking out some of the local talent out there. Uh, I'm excited to maybe get Unoya out there at some point, maybe this year, if not next year. Uh, and speaking of Unoya, we also have new merch for you guys. We have a new t-shirt. It's a sick-ass design that my boy George did, and uh, Malik... The producer of the show worked on some cool Photoshop stuff for y'all, and we have a dope t-shirt. Uh, you guys might be able to see it in the next episode, but if you come out to any of our live shows, June 8th, next week, we're going to be playing at Churchill's. So we'll have the shirts there. Uh, we also have our EP, The Age of the Eternal Ice Plague, available any streaming platform, anywhere you buy music online. Uh, other than that, guys, I'm super excited to bring you this episode. It's uh, someone that I grew up with. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you guys for sticking around with this podcast so long. Big shout out to you guys. We made it over 100 likes about three months in. Super happy about that. Let's keep it going. Enjoy the episode. special episode today we're out here live coming to you from washington heights new york <laughs> manhattan the, the 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 uptown and i'm joined um by a very special guest today people it's a very close friend of mine special i'm doing special yeah he's retarded he's <laughs> <laughs> my special friend <laughs> i want i want special light glasses for <laughs> yeah man that's right Oh. ESC baby all day. <laughs> EH 
Your mom brought you to class with a leash on. Bro. EH. What is it? They call this EH for emotionally handicapped or something like that. I don't is know. Is that what it was? I, I just thought I wrote the short bus all throughout elementary school. <laughs> Whatever the hell that is. The short bus goes faster. It has wings. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know the short buses that look like shuttles? Yeah, like that's what I wrote. Yeah. That's what I went to school in, I'm bro. going in the yellow rocket. Yeah. But, all right. Enough about, you know. I apologize. The throne does not condone making fun of people with handicaps. But <laughs> Mentally or physically. <laughs> <laughs> or emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man. It's, um, um, I mean, a friend that I've been growing up with um, since childhood. I mean, I, I started playing uh, my drums around the same time he started playing guitar. So, you know, we grew up playing together. And, you know, I'm out here in New York City, you know, giving the city a visit and seeing all my, all my peeps. No, not really. I don't have peeps, man. I'm just hanging out. And, you know, he's in the music scene out here in, in New York. Cousin. Yeah, you are my cousin. Uh, my, my cousin. The cousin. My cousin. Cousin in Liberty City. <laughs> uh, and it's just, you know, I just came out here to write out. And, you know, he, he's done a lot of things in the music world that I've never done as far as, like, go to traditional music school and study actual sheet music and stuff like that. Stuff that I haven't done since middle school. So I thought it'd be an interesting perspective. So thank you for coming on, Lennon. I appreciate that. Thank shit. you for having me, JC. Not <laughs> JC. What the fuck is this? Why? No, what is it? <laughs> no, this is my show. But no. Why? I, what, what do people call you on the show? They call JC. me. Uh, they call me JC. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but what's the problem? <laughs> no, it's just weird because you're my cousin. And what? The, you come family doesn't call you JC. No, they call me uh, John Carlos. <laughs> I always call. I call. I always call, call you John. John. I always call you John, and then people were like, "What? Who is that?" And then I was like, "I remember one of your friends one time. I was like, go on Facebook or something like that. I was like, he he said something, and I was like, oh, so this is because of blah blah blah. John, whatever. He's like, is that JC? I'm like, yes. He's like, oh, yes. Like, they didn't even know, like, your name was John Carlos. This is JC. I don't tell people my name is John Carlos for what? You know what I mean? Like, unless they ask. Like, sometimes they'll ask, like, JC, what's that stand for? I'll be like, you know, John Cena. Um, <laughs> no, but it's just, you know, it's a lot easier. I'm going through right. life with JC instead of John Carlos. But yeah. uh, regardless, man, you know, we're here in the city. I've, I went to a local show yeah. recently, and it's, it's interesting, man. I like the scene out here a lot better. Not a lot better. Um, I've only seen one show. But I'm saying, like, the scene here, it seems just as much of a community as the scene out in Miami. Right. Where... Like, everyone's supporting everybody, and I saw a lot of love at the at the gig um, that we went to Friday out in Brooklyn. A shout-out to uh, uh, Littlefield. Shout-out to Littlefield in Brooklyn. Yes, sir. Yeah, that's a sick spot. I definitely want to bring Yunoya out here one day to play out here with uh, with my boy, if we can get a show together or something. Y'all, definitely shout-out to, uh, um, what's your boy's band? What's Scott's Uncrossing. band? Uncrossing. Uncrossing. Underscore Uncrossing on Instagram. Look them up. They're sick. Uh, you can find them. They follow the Throne uh, Instagram, too. But, I mean, uh, also, uh, Activator. They're a sick band that opened. Yeah, Activator was cool. Like, I really like them, too. Uncro- I like both bands, and that was such a great show, man. It was a great introduction for the local scene out here for me. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And it, it's funny. Like, I live out here, you know, already for years already. And I've been through a few local shows, but, like, not any metal, believe it or not. Like, all the few local bands I've been to were, like, so somebody from school... One of my uh, classmates, she has her own band, and it's like a pop kind of band, whatever. Yeah, no, but it's Shout she's, out. she's good though. That's what's up. She's really good, and so it was. She played a show at Webster Hall. 
which that's, is you know that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, in the in the small room, but still. still. So so I went to the show. She invited me. She comes up to me after the show. She goes, she hugged me. She goes, thank you so much for coming. I know you hate pop. And she just says, that's <laughs> the first thing she said. I'm like, no, I don't hate pop. I'm just you know like metal. And I had my Metallica hoodie on, and I was like, no, but I appreciate you. And then another one of my professors, too, uh, Professor Griffith, shout out, one of the coolest shout professors out to ever. Him. She, the she. All right. Yeah, she bad. played. I didn't, know, I didn't has, mean to assume your gender there. She played the, <laughs> in a band, Changing Modes, which is like an indie alternative band, and they're really cool. So I've seen a few of their shows and stuff like that. But uh, And then again, like friends from school when they've done personal, you know, like classmates and stuff like that when they've done personal recitals. But it's funny, like, like I haven't been to many like local metal shows here. I mean, because I, I go to a lot, a lot of concerts. And shows, but it's always like you know, big bands, bands yeah, yeah, big yeah. name bands. And to, to, I mean, they put on a show like no local band could put on a show, and I get that. Unless you're Macronium, shout out to Macronium. <laughs> but uh, um, like it, it's just one of those things, man. If you if you want to be in the scene out here, you got to go to the shows. Yeah, and it's not even just to get your foot in the door. It's also because if you want people to support well, your you, band, yeah. you, you got to be out them. there. Well, I'm definitely gonna start going to more shows now. The thing is, I've just been so. You know, caught up with my own stuff, and it's like. Of course. But now I'm definitely gonna start going to more local shows. You know, like I'm gonna think I'm gonna take, at least maybe twice, if at least even once a month to go out to a local show. I think know? once a month yeah. is a good number, just because commitment. Yeah, well, oh, overwhelming stuff. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think once a month is a good number because not every show is gonna be a good show. I've played shit sets. I've played regrettable shows. I've played a set and then left and gone to another venue and watched a way better show than the one I just <laughs> fucking played. <laughs> it happens man you know we've all been there but the big name bands always obviously it's, it's like this whole thing where fuck I haven't seen this band yet or oh I saw them last time and they put on a great show or this might be their last tour ever who knows I mean and, you know everyone's fucking croaking now Scott Whalen died fucking Kurt Co- uh, not Kurt uh, fucking buddy from from Soundgarden Chris, yeah, Chris, Chris Cornell, Cornell died yeah, man. Chester from Lincoln Park died I mean well it's not even it's not even like bands like that too I mean I obviously I've seen so many of those bands but it's like even in music school, like, I went to so many recitals like that for, like, you know, traveling and professional classical musicians. Like, I saw a couple of shows at Carnegie Hall. Wow. I remember the first show I saw, like, my first instinct was I wanted to leave, go home, and practice. And I did. Like, I rushed out of the, you know, the concert hall because I wanted to... It was, like, one of those things, like, I was just so inspired. Like, and that's always the big thing for me. Like, when I go to shows, like, I love getting inspired. You know, like, when I saw Slash, man, here in New York at the Terminal 5, like, yeah. oh... I can't even imagine. I've never seen him. Yeah, it was just incredible, man. He's freaking... Oh, like... I mean, like, I'm biased because I love Slash. He's the reason I play guitar. That's that's my idol. But it was just one of an incredible show. And even he... Even he said it was one of the best shows he's ever played in New York. So, yeah? Yeah. How do you know? Like, he even said it. Why do you say that? He said it at the end of the night. Oh. <laughs> no, but... Uh-huh, but uh-huh. He, he tweeted it the next day. So, that's how you know it's official, bro. I, I believe that. Okay. I honestly believe that. Because, I mean, think about how many fucking shows that dude's played. That, and that's Just in New York City. Yeah, and I'm thinking, like, is he counting solo bands? Is he counting Guns N' Roses shows, too? Because because you felt it in the air, too. It was, like, not just... You know, the staff, you were like, wow, that was a great show. And he did solo stuff. He did GNR stuff. He did stuff from Velvet Revolver. So, it was, like... And I remember this one chick at the show. She was, like, somebody, a contestant on The Voice or something like that. And Slash is... Brings her up to sing a song with him. He's like, yeah, so, you know, I got this, uh, got contact about this girl, whatever. You know, like, she was from The Voice or something. They're like, oh, she wants to play you. And I was like, fuck no, or whatever. And, but then, like, I heard this girl, and, you know, she's really cool. So bring, everybody give her a shot or whatever. And this uh, chick came out, this black chick came, like, Kimberly, something like that. And she's like, hi, hi, everybody. You know, and everybody was like, oh, okay. And she's like, I'm fucking singing with Slash. 
<laughs> and they played Hey Joe. And That's pretty cool. That was she did good. Cool yeah, yeah, she did really good. The only thing was that she kept kind of like wailing and doing melisma over the solo, uh, which is how you kind of know like she's not necessarily used to maybe playing with like with live live musicians too much because it was like, okay, look, yeah, I like your voice, but Flash is playing a Jimi Hendrix solo, so shut, shut the, the fuck, fuck up. up. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, for real, like, shut the fuck up, buddy, oh, dude. But it was Yo, cool. I, I've never even heard that word. What's that word? Melisma. Yeah. That's Melisma. cool. That's the term for that, right? For doing that. Yeah, like when you're like, like what Christina I thought that was called Aguilera. Vibrato. Like what Christina Aguilera does. Oh my God. I hate no, vibrato is like when you hold it like on one note. But like oh. when you're like, uh, <laughs> that shit like that. that <laughs> did, you see when, did you see when Fergie did the, uh, the, the national, I think it was the national anthem at the Super Bowl? I think so. it was so uh, well. After the show, we'll look it up. We'll, we'll look it up again just to refresh your memory. But it yeah. was so bad, bro. Like she was just doing it in the wrong places yeah. and shifting to flat and yeah. sharp notes. Just wasn't done, man. Like it was pretty. It was probably the worst since Christina Aguilera. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I I just say that because Christina Aguilera, like you know, she's known for like she did that. And I remember one time in songwriting class, one of my actually professor gave us, she pointed out, she's like, no, like she can't sing without using that. She was like, no, for a fact, like she can't, like it's like something with her voice, like she can only sing using melisma like that. It so sounds then, like a disease. Yeah, yeah. I got the melisma. <laughs> Doctor said I got about three months. This melisma's catching up to me. <laughs> I need to start getting on that melisma medication. Yeah. But it's it's funny because like so many of my favorite singers sing like like Axl Rose, my favorite singer of all time. He goes, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I have a friend. Uh, shout out to Ralph from Ears One, man. He hates Avenged Sevenfold because of uh, M Shadows. He always says, ah, yeah, 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 He fucking he can't stand that shit. And I'm just like, yo, that's that's that Axl Rose influence right here, yeah, bro. But it's just real. like. He likes GNR though, so My I don't get it. My hands are tight. Tight, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I don't care. Yo, honestly, bro, you know, I like M. Shadow's voice, man. I mean, maybe it's a bias, like you said, because yeah. they are my favorite band. But to me, I, I think if the melisma, melismo, whatever, mm-hmm. sounds like a car, too. <laughs> Got the grand melismo. <laughs> but, but the, uh, I think if it's done tastefully. Yeah, yeah. And also in little bits and parts like that. And, right. You know, and also, like, when, you know, like, you use it, like, sometimes it doesn't call for it, you know? Or the best example of it. I mean, we all know the best example of it. Mm. Right? What, Bad Country? No. Great Gig in the Sky, man. That's true, yeah. Great Gig in the Sky, Pink Floyd. <sighs> that is a fucking track, dude. That's, uh, I remember I asked you one time, there was a track that brought tears to your eyes. And I remember the Great Gig in the Sky was like one of the songs you mentioned. I don't even remember that. Wow, we're talking about that, and that's that's a, that's such an emotional song for a song that has no fucking words. For me, a song that always brings tears in my eyes is "So Far Away" by Avenged Sevenfold. Like I can't help but hear that song, and like, <laughs> I just think of the rag, and I just think of the shit, and I'm oh, just man. like, oh, it's just like, and not even like "So Far Away." Sometimes like just. Other songs, where it's just like where you can really like hear the rev's voice, not like literally his voice. I mean, like his voicing, like within his music, that like you could just hear it and hear like how you could tell he probably had an influence, a big, big influence. And it's just like, oh, oh man, what so a you talent, you, man. You like the rev as much as I did, huh? I love the rev, man. It's like I think he was the best metal drummer of his time. I think the two best metal drummers of like their era, best generation, is Chris Adler, Lamb of God, and the Rev. And I mean, to me, obviously, I know some people throwing Joey Jordison into that pot, obviously, but I think Joey Jordison has a lot more speed and 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 flair than he is real technical ability. Right. Um, and so, I'm not saying he's not a great drummer. No, he's, he's phenomenal. I mean, it's all about preference. Like I said, I just for sure Chris Adler and and the Rev. I just can't like they just to me like 
nobody touches those guys from like their time. I I really um, wish that the ref was still with us just to see what events unfold or what direction events unfold would have taken yeah. uh, after Nightmare because I don't think that it would have gone into the Hail to the King territory. Yeah, I don't think so either. But then again, we never know. It's like, you know, we you can never know what a dead man's perspective, you know, is because, you know, you hear that so many times, so many artists, like, you know, that's a big thing people talk well, about a lot with Randy Rose. They said, oh, if he had still lived, he would he would have not even continued in Ozzy's band that he would have gone left or quit or gone back to, you know, I just school. know for a fact that even if they did all the guitar, bass, vocal work all the same, the drums would not have Oh, no, 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 for sure. Well, of course not, never, on, on any record, because it's, it's not and, and but, but I'm saying, like, the style of music that Hail to the King is, is a style that does not suit the Rev's drum. It's, so I don't think they would have gone in that yeah. direction, because his creative influence into the songwriting would process have would have steered like, them yeah. in the opposite direction. I mean, I like Hail to the King, but it's basically that whole album. It's like it's almost like they just listened to 90s Megadeth and 90s Metallica on a permanent loop and just, like... That's what they grew up listening to, though. And and I got that. But what I lo- what I loved the most about Avenged Sevenfold is like how you can always hear the influence in them. You can hear the you can hear who their influences are, but at the same time being it's not original. A direct you know, like like Afterlife. You hear that riff, and you're like, dude, you could tell like they grew up listening to Pantera. You know, you could tell. You hear M Shadows. You know, saying you could tell he grew up listening to GNR. So that's and I love that because I love Pantera. I love GNR. So I love seeing. You know what? What was born from that? You know, it's one of my favorite things in music. Seeing like where it went, where it led to, but then to almost completely like chip, which I I don't think they completely did, except for um, so they did. Except for I was gonna say this means war. I mean that's sad but true right I there. I fuck that. I love that. Song. I love them too, but that song is sad but true, like almost to a T. Yeah. It's and pretty, then you it's have pretty damn close. What is it? Um, I think it's Shepherd of Fire, which is almost the exact same st- song structure as Trust by Megadeth. It's just like the drums, and it just starts off like, and it like goes into the even like the riffs are almost like exactly the same. So, wow, I think they got a little too influenced there. Okay, but and it's also the first project you have with a new drummer. Yeah, and of course, very much younger guy. You know, yeah. But I definitely think they came back stronger than ever on the stage. I don't care what anybody said. I think lyrically, the stage was their peak. I, I didn't even know M. Shadow or the Ben were even capable of lyrics like that. And, like, you know, Nightmare was my favorite record until the stage came out. Now it's kind of, like, tied. Lyrically, though, they've, by far, I don't care what anybody says, lyrically, the stage is the most superior album. Like, it's incredible. It's I think incredible. the fact that it was a concept album helped out a lot in that regard. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't necessarily see from their other albums that they were concept albums. No. Um, I, I mean, Nightmare a little Nightmare, bit. Yeah, Nightmare with, a little Like, bit. the concept of death a little bit, you know, with the rep, but that, mm-hmm. that's about it. That's something that came in, I think, after, though. I feel like the Nightmare yeah. had more of a concept of um, just, like, dark shit. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Um, and with the whole passing of the Rev, it kind of shifted the tone of the album to be a little more sad. Right. Bit. I mean... Well, the, well, even So Far Away. So <laughs> Far Away was a song that Sinister Gates originally started writing for his grandfather. And it kind of changed to be about the Rev after, you know, he passed and stuff like that. So, right there, that's, you can see how that's a big influence in that you album. You know what song I haven't heard in a long time either? Um, the song 4 a.m. Yeah, I remember when that song came, came out. out huh? We were like, both down we were like, oh, they came out with a new single. And... I love that song. Too. And I haven't heard it in so long. And the thing is, with that song as well, um, uh, 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 what's his name? Zachy Vengeance. He got up after the ref died. He, he just got up, and it was four in the morning. And that's when that song came to him. 
So, you know, that definitely hit the band hard, bro. And I think uh, as great as the stage was and is, I think it's a great album. It definitely took time to grow on me. I didn't like it when I first heard it. Because I, really? I thought... Too progressive? No, no, no. no. <laughs> M Shadows just didn't sound like M Shadows to me. Right. He sounded... Did, did, did it sound off to you when you first heard the song, The Stage? When I first heard the stage, it sounded it's like, like he was singing in an octave higher. Not not him, not him, but the band as a whole sounded kind of like weird and different, but not in a bad way, just like different, like weird kind of. But again, not in a bad way, really good. With just it was like I, it was something very different, you know, because it was like them, you know, doing a. I mean, before that, the only time they ever played progressive metal was on "Save Me," which is like, on uh, you know. The clothing track on there, but that's actually one of my favorite Avenged Sevenfold songs ever. Yeah. So then they made like a full progressive metal record, and it was like, oh my god, this is incredible. They and, killed it, I think. And for me, I was waiting for years. You probably recall for Avenged Sevenfold to like make a you know a subgenre record. You know what I'm saying? Like because they've always been heavy metal except for the first two records. So I was waiting for them to make a like you know to dive into one of the subgenres of, of metal. I just thought it would always be like groove metal because of how influenced they were like by you know, bands like Pantera and how, you know, the times. So, but the fact that it was progressive metal was like, oh my God. And then it was like, I, I love the stage, man. I don't care what it was like, again, it's just like, if you don't even fuck the music, I mean, I don't care what you said, the lyrics, oh my God, just like Roman Sky. It's like, wow, I didn't even know M. Shadows could write like that, man. The, the thing with Event Sevenfold is, and <clears throat> we, we know, we, we, we uh, experienced this firsthand on Friday night. Uh, just a lot of people like to hate on. Yeah, that that's the new shit, bro. If you're a metal fan, you know part of the requirement is now you gotta hate Avenged Sevenfold, bro. One hundred percent. Yeah, they it's like uh they became the Nickelback of metal bands. I think they're the Metallica of their time. I prefer to look at it like that. The I super so. yeah, successful right. band carrying the torch for metal. So it's like everybody in the underground community has to hate them because. Like, for people who hate, like, the big, big bands like Metallica, like, I just, I always look at it like that. They're just mad that their favorite band is not on that level. That's it. That's literally it. You know, you wish that your favorite band, that you could just walk into any store and always find a merch or your favorite band, you know, for, like, in band shirts, obviously, in band stores, or <laughs> that they could, you can guarantee that you're going to see them at least every year and a half because they're going to come to your town because they tour so much. So it's like that, man, you know? Yeah, no, I feel, um, I, I kind of feel like like that. Like, there's a bit of animosity behind, like, not liking events. Oh, of like, course there is. I don't, I don't know exactly where it comes from. I feel like it's unique to every person. Like, there's some people that are like hipsters yeah, in the metal course. community. It's the like, metal oh, oh Avenged Sevenfold is popular, so I can't like them. Or there's people that think that Avenged Sevenfold is too soft, or you know yeah. what I mean, because they're only like death metal or whatever. Which is fine. Then it's just yeah, preference. You know, there's nothing wrong with different. that. But I just like to hate to hate. But I think yeah, a lot of the hate comes from like that, like the fact that they're like the big, you know, like man, and it's like, dude, I, I don't care, man. I fuck with Avenged Sevenfold hard. To me. They're like carrying the torch for metal, and you could disagree with that. But the fact that we, and I'm thinking we as a metal community, we have a band out there that is mainstream, for me, that's a good thing, man. I don't care Fuck what anybody yeah. says. It's I like it shows that our genre is still alive and well. And, you know, somebody's got to be the one carrying that torch, you know, for the for the mainstream metal world to show the mainstream world what metal is. And if it's going to be Event Sevenfold, I'm fine with that, man. Honestly, when I first got into Event Sevenfold, I never, <clears throat> I got into them after they dropped the, their fourth album, the White Album. Well, we got to, we got to, got to, you know, let everybody know. So it's the, the fourth album, the self-titled, me and John call it the White Album because we're geeks <laughs> like that. Yeah, so, it's, you know, it's an all-white cover. It's a self-titled, so uh, it's just easier to refer to, to it that way. And when they dropped that, I was in the sixth grade. 
and they, they'd always play the, the single Almost Easy mm-hmm. on 93 Rock. Yeah, so that's around the time I got into them. I, you know, it was after their heavier stuff had finished. It was after City of Evil and Backcountry and all that stuff had come out. And so for me, they were just getting to like theater tours and you know just getting yeah. to like that peak like level. Not peak, but getting to like that established level, right. let's say. Um, and so I, I, I never imagined Avenged Sevenfold being the poster boy for the metal scene. Me either. I think it's so cool how we grew up watching how like we went from seeing them being like a band that's like, you know, doing theater shows kind of right there to like being like the, you know, band at the metal like forefront, like the ones that say, you know, and again, you could disagree, disagree. you could say you don't like them, but it's fact. It's true. Fact is fact. Avenged Sevenfold from all the modern metal bands is like the most successful one right now. Not counting obviously Metallica and Maiden, but you know, bands that have been wrong. But I mean, like, for the present era, you know, like, not Lamb of God. No, yeah, there's it's no... It's not... The only one that comes close is Slipknot. You know, Slipknot right. tours consistently, yeah. and they play arenas where they play. So, it's like, I guess you could say, you know, kind of like both of them, but but that's it, man. To me, uh, no no band that's released an album, that's that's had their first album release after the year 2000, has reached a success at Event 7. Of metal bands, yeah. Not, of metal bands. true. Right. That's what I'm saying. So... I mean, for them to have dropped their first album in 01 and it being 2018 and they're still relevant. I'm talking and about, and they're the most relevant. Like playing, they're doing arena shows, man. Now headlining arena shows. Like that's why, you know, like, and then, you know. You know what I think it is, dog? You know what I think it is? You know what I think helped people dislike them is uh, when they started doing the Call of Duty stuff. Really? I thought that would make them more popular because, you know, all the video game nerds and, you know, I don't know. No, and I get that. The vid- to vid- it, 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 like put it this way I have a friend named Justin who loves shout out to Justin Rodriguez you're my dog bro um, but you know he loves video games and shit he loves Call of Duty so when the first Call of Duty game came out with the Vent Sevenfold track he yeah. had that track and then the second one came out and he had that track carry on mm-hmm. and it's just like oh you like Vent Sevenfold yeah I like those two tracks you know what I mean so yeah. the Call of Duty fans they know those songs mm-hmm. for the metal community you see a band sign a con- basically like a music deal oh yeah you're writing these songs for us for our video game I can kind of see how that would rub someone, some like purist fucking metalhead the wrong way. Like, oh, they're selling out type shit. And so uh, if you feel like that's like selling out, that could be part of the reason they're so successful I mean, now. But I still don't take away anything from their art. You, you got to look, you got to, I always, always just go back to this. The metal community, when it comes to that, are like so elitist and like so like tight ass to that that even Metallica in 1984, when they dropped Ride the Lightning, an album that is considered even you know by people who hate you know post justice Metallica considered one of the greatest metal albums of all time, one of the greatest thrash metal albums of all time. Even in that era with Cliff Burton alive and everything, they were called sellouts in eighty as early as 84 for one switching to a major label, switching from Megaforce Records to Electro Records. And for putting acoustic guitars on the record, which would be on Fade to Black and Fight Fire with Fire. That's how early, you know, Metallica has been being called sellouts. Like so that just lets you know, like, right there, there's always going to be, you know. That but, right there, what you're hearing, people, is the sound of New York City. Yeah, that's uh, sirens. Always, it's a regular thing here living in New York. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You never know if somebody's dying, if somebody's being run to the opera, something like that. That's... New York, but yeah, I mean, let's let's get back to Metallica. I didn't know that people were fucking with them since the eighties. Like, oh yeah, man. Sellouts and shit. Oh yeah, bro. Even when Cliff was alive, that's man. a classic record. That's... Like if you see someone wearing a Ride the Lightning T-shirt, you're like, okay, he might actually be a Metallica fan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, why, why, just because of the acoustic guitar? Like that was the seen acoustic as, like... guitar and switching from Megaforce Records and independent record label to Electra Records. So it's kind of like when Avenged went from Hopeless to, to Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah. But is a, I've never heard of Electra Records. Is, are they as big as Warner Brothers? They're they were well, they were a big label. I mean, like it's funny. Buster Rhymes is with was on them, 
was on Elektra. A weird genre change. And yeah, and then in '96, you know, when Metallica had the Load Reload era, that they were like up for like uh, an MTV award or something like that. Buster Rhymes was like the one who presented him. He said it like proudly. He's like, "Yo, and the winners are my label mates, Metallica." Like, oh, that's yeah, what's up, man. yeah. He was kind of plugging himself there a little bit. I don't know. I just though he was. To me, he's plugging himself. Yeah, but um, and no, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, that was it. So. Yeah. I just, I didn't know people didn't, I thought Ride the Lightning was hailed as like one of these classic it, it, records. It, it is. It was at the time and it is still now, but it's like even back then you had like those few purists. It's like, oh, fucking sellout. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just mad. I got nothing else going on in my life. So I have to take it all like others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get that attitude either, man. It's like m- most of the time those people who, 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 who hate on those bands like Metallica and like a Ben Sevenfold. They're nerds. They're, they're, they're music nerds. nerds. They're, not, they're nerds all around. People fucking sit around in their mother's basement wearing their <laughs> 1996 Dream Theater Tour t-shirt with Dorito <laughs> dust all over them playing fucking World of Warcraft or whatever the fuck you play. Now, I'm not Disney, you play that game, but you know, you guys know the type. Yeah, no. no. Fucking Dorito dust on the shirt, every flavor of Mountain Dew can in the corner. <laughs> I don't see what that has to like. Just stains on. On the shirt, huh? Nice yellow. On the socks. I was going to say, but okay, I don't know. Either way, I come in my shirts, man, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, when you got a huge cock, all right, you don't use socks. No, I'm uh-huh. kidding. I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, let's do a quick transition here. Yeah, because uh, it's going to become the Avenged Sevenfold podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you haven't experienced that. No one else that I know has, and that's the classical music school experience. Also, you've played in, in with orchestras and shit, like full fucking symphonies. Uh, I don't know if it's full full symphony, but I played, you know, like in ensembles and stuff like that. Like what That's other the word I'm looking for. Okay, yeah. Played in ensembles, yeah. So what John is referring to, I'm a, because uh, you could say classically trained guitarist. I went to Manus School of Music here in New York, and I got my degree in that. So like, you know, I'm a music major, and it was honestly one of the greatest experiences of my life. Like I could live to be 80, 90, 100 years old, and I'll still be telling people how, what a great time like I had at Manus. Like I... Absolutely loved it to the point that I was like, someday that I would have a bad day at work and be like, oh, at least I get to go to school now, you know, like, because it was a conservatory, you know, so I didn't do any academic classes like math, reading or anything. All my classes were music based. I had guitar class, you know, private lessons, ensemble, music theory, dictation, ear training, piano class. Those were all my classes, you know, so I, I loved it, man. The years I was there, I was so fortunate. I had the greatest, most brilliant professors and staff, I got to play alongside and learn alongside some of the most brilliant and talented musicians from all around the world. That's fucking sick. So, shout out to Madness School of Music. I will always, like, that place will always hold a special spot in my heart, man. That's yeah. crazy. And that's yeah. something that, I mean, you know, the whole thing that I heard growing up with music was, oh, well, you want, you, you know, you need a plan B or you need to go to school or, you know, you need to have something lined up because right. the music thing might fall through. So, I mean, what kind of vibe is it in a school where everyone's chasing like the same kind of dream? Well, not necessarily. It's, I mean, I'm sure some of the people who go there have the goals of just being in like the yeah. San Francisco orchestra or right, something like right, that. Right, right. Well, there's a there's a little joke uh, along the like the music school community, I guess you could say, or even like yeah, the that's definitely community, a that community, is, like, man. That it's like it's elite. That it's like uh, oh um. If, if you, I, I forgot how it goes, but it's like, if you want to be a good musician, you go to school. If you want to be a great musician, you come to Manus. It's the thing like that. Yeah. 
Really? So, yeah. That sounds kind of like... Yo, as, as awesome as your school is, I'm it sure. Felt like it sounds like a joke about it. Yeah, yeah. hella pretentious. It is, yeah, exactly. It is, but it's just like jokingly, you know, they say it. But it's just that my school was known not for its pre- piano department. It was one of the things we were, you know, very... But whatever. So I noticed a lot of kids there, you know, went for the same reason. They loved music, you know. And I remember everybody would ask me, you know, at first season, like, why are you here then? Because, you know, and not in a bad way. They were just curious, like, what was a metalhead doing, you know, and, and I would just tell them, well, just like you, I love music and I want to be the best that I can be at my craft. And I want to, you know, master the art of classical guitar because doing that, I believe, will make me the best metal player I can be. And, you know, they got that. And one thing I started to notice, you know, as I went from, you know, my freshman to junior, you know, sophomore year, whatever, is that a lot of people were there for the same reason. You know, they love music, they want to perfect it. But a lot of people, I noticed, they didn't really know what they wanted to do afterwards. So I'd be like, oh, so you're graduating next year. What are you going to do? Like, oh, I don't really know. I might move back home. And it's like, huh. And... And it's funny, everybody was asking me, you know, why am I here? And it's like, and I knew exactly why I was here and why I wanted to do after, which is like, you know, what I'm doing now. I wanted to acquire the knowledge, all the knowledge that I can about music and about the guitar because I love it so much. And then, you know, start my band and play in my band, you know, and that's, you know, what I'm doing now. And, and it's so funny, people ask me, oh, why are you here? And a lot of people I started to find out didn't really know, you know, what they Why they were there. Yeah. No, you know, what's funny, man, is... A very big psychological thing is a lot of people push their insecurities onto other people. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I don't know these people personally. I don't know if this was exactly what was going through yeah. their mind. But maybe they were asking you because they're like, oh, look, here's this fucking metalhead who's here. He'll probably have some stupid fucking answer that'll make <laughs> me feel better about the fact that I'm, I don't have anything to do for me. You know what I mean? So what, they, what yeah. they expected you to say was, oh, yeah, I'm here to get some training and become a rock star. It's to the fucking world. Yeah. Like, how are this fucking idiot, right? Yeah. <laughs> but in reality, in their head, they're just like, oh, well, when I graduate, I'm probably just going to go back home and probably get a nine to five. It's like, well, why the yeah. fuck are you even here? Well, here's the thing about it, too. Like, I've, you know, people, I, I didn't hear it often, but I heard a couple of times, like, oh, but what are you going to do with a music group and this and that? And the cool thing is, with my music group now, I've actually gotten several offers, like, as a teacher position and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, I, you There's know. jobs that are there. Yeah, so there are jobs that are there, and I'm, I haven't taken them because that's not what I want to do. I want to pursue, you know, being a full-time, like, touring and, you know, musician and stuff like that, recording musician. But it's cool to know, like, just in the back of my hand, oh, shit, I have this. If I ever wanted to, I can, you know, do that. And, and, and I don't want to, but just that thought is, like, it makes me feel good. Because whenever people, you know, have asked me, like, oh, you know, why are you going to school, whatever like that, you know, I'll be like, well, I've actually, I didn't have to go looking for them. I've had people offer me, <laughs> you know, theater jobs. So. Yeah. No, and that's a great benefit. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, a lot of people, they do feel that way. Like, oh, what the fuck? I felt that way. Yeah. I, before you, you ever decided to, to sign up for school and stuff, and. Uh, we were talking about it for a while before um, you actually went through with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, like, my mom always told me, like, oh, you, maybe you should go to school for recording engineering or just go to music yeah. school for something. But I always had the same issue that you that you brought up, which is you, you want to go to school for music and get a degree in music, but you're still taking science, you're still taking English, you're still yeah, taking yeah. classes. But, so that's why I found a conservatory, because I was actually going to go at one point to Miami-Dade College. Uh, to the they had good a good choice. Music. No. <laughs> <laughs> they had a they had a they had a pretty good music program there, and I looked it up. They had an arts program, and I went and you know and I applied and everything. But because they were part of you know Miami Dade College, I had to take academic classes. And I remember the day we were registering, I went with my mother. You know, they at the campus downtown. I think it's the Wolfson campus. And, you know, I remember we were signing up and they're like, okay, so now you got to sign up for this. And I was like, wait, wait, what? I was like, yeah, it's like, you got to take your math class. And then the lady like, you know, kind of, I know she didn't mean to have an attitude, but it, you know, freaked me. She's like, oh yeah, well, of course, because you needed this. I mean, what are you going to do when you graduate with just music classes? You need to get a real job. And I was like, what the fuck? That's not the mindset. No. Yeah. And I was like, 
so I just paused right there and I was like, wait, so I have to take classes? I thought it was like, and then, you know, me and my mom, we talked about it and she already, you know, I mean, John will tell you better than anybody, but you know, high school for me was like a big struggle, big bullshit. So we, at that point already had like, she, you know, she knew already, she, you know, all the struggles that I went through and she like just saw my face and saw my vibe and she's like, look, honestly, at this point, I'm not going to force you, you know, if you don't want to be, you know, whatever. So I think that was a great yeah. parenting decision. I mean, yeah. I'm so parent, I, but. we, so we just left at the campus. That's it like that. No, I didn't mean, get the $30 back for the application. Field, but <laughs> we just left the campus and that was it. And then I just set my, all my sights on, you know, New York and coming here and going to a conservatory. So like, which is that, that I only do, you know, music classes. And How did you even find out about a conservatory? I never even heard that word. I just, um, well, it was just out of the blue one day, believe it or not. One day I was just Googling like music schools and stuff like that in New York. And then I, and I just found upon Manus and I just immediately like gravitated towards it. And I didn't even want to go to any other school. Cause that's another thing in any college, even in music school, you know, when you apply, you don't just go to one school, you apply for multiple schools and you do this. I didn't do that. I basically, other than, you know, Miami did college, but I decided I basically put all my eggs in one basket. I only wanted Manus, you know, because every time, you know, that I thought about like, oh, you know, maybe Manhattan School of Music or whatever, which is also very prestigious. I just always kind of remembered something my mom told me sometimes. It was like, you know, go for what you really want. So I was like, for as much as like there was a part of me like, oh, you know, you got to be smart. You got to be safe. Apply most school. I was like, I want Manus. I only want Manus. So like I said before that, it was just looking, whatever. And then I just started doing a little more and more research. And I was... 16 at the time I was you know had already dropped out of high school was doing GED classes and and just kind of looking and for everybody who doesn't know at the time you know because me and John started playing our instruments literally a month apart the plan was me and him were going to do our own thing start a band move to New York together and then you know whatever shit doesn't always work out and you know and I guess like it worked out for the best because you know I came to New York John was in South Florida John how now his band you you know I yeah, which Fucking kick-ass band. Thank you, man. I, I love it, man. I'm, I ride around the city playing on my Bluetooth speaker, just ice, man, and shit like that. And I have... And I get dirty looks sometimes, and it's just like, fuck it, man. <laughs> them, I don't give a fuck. Dude, you know, I'm just quick. Fuck. I have very minimal to do with the songwriting. I just I, my drums. I John just my drums. is a but thank phenomenal you, drummer. I've always said it. But anyway, so that was the plan. Obviously, whatever, things went differently because I then decided to go to music school. And I remember John, you know, when, around the time I decided that when I was 16... You ask me, oh, so wait, so and what about like, you know, the bands? Like, well, I'm like, well, look, I'm, when I graduate, then, you know, we did. But by the time, by the I, time I, he I graduated, graduated, I had joined up with you. No, you know, yeah, yeah, he was doing his shit. And then I just, you know, went on and started doing like my shit, you know, whatever. And so it just fell through, man. But yeah, it was definitely a goal of, of ours to be in a band together. And it's not like that can't happen. I mean, the goal right now is to get you know, to a point where we're playing shows up yeah, here and get whatever exactly. band he gets going to play shows down in Miami. Right, so and we're still playing together at that point, basically. Pretty much, so I mean, I get, I think it kind of worked out for the best because, like, like you have like your band, I'll have my band, and like, it's like, I don't know. Sick. I I feel like it always worked out, but then there's always there's always that little part of you that's just like, oh fuck, I wish John was my drummer because not even like some of my current my current drummer now is awesome, but it's just like. Like, I don't know, it was always, like, sometimes I think about it, like, damn, man. Or even me, like, I've pictured myself in Unoya just because of, like, Sean. Just, like, <laughs> oh, man, it would be so cool to play with JC. Like, that's, you know. Hey, man, I appreciate that shit. And, and here's the funny thing, though. Like, I, I always, like, when I was looking for a drummer, right, for, you know, to start the band, so, like, I wanted a jazz drummer because, you know, Gar Samuelson, you know, the original drummer for Megadeth was a jazz drummer and he, so I wanted like that, like a jazz drummer who could play metal and stuff and, 
Chinese and, drummers aren't usually into metal. Yeah, well, that's the thing, though. But, but anyways, I ended up being super lucky. I ended up finding like a guy who played like a little jazz, said a little jazz, and on top of that, apart from kind of looking like John, current <laughs> drummer, name is John. He found exactly like him. I'm not Fuck kidding. Off. And like JC. He, his favorite drummer is the ref and started playing drums because of the ref so oh, like I, I got like like it worked out <laughs> like you know like I found another you basically oh, <laughs> found my fucking doppelganger yeah here in the I really didn't look exactly like you but voice he sounds exactly like you like I'm I gotta like, meet oh, this kid man but I'll leave tomorrow yeah, yeah. Uh, we should have we should have gone to your studio one day, yeah man. so always next time but yeah so shit I got off top I was talking about the being in, in you know music school and stuff and and yeah I just remembered and it wasn't they weren't cunty about it they weren't like oh we're, you know why are you here they weren't they were just like they were curious but the kids at Manus were like they were awesome kids and they were great people and you know John knows better than anybody the problems I had growing up in high school and you know through all my throughout school growing up like with other students with teachers and stuff like that when I was at Manus I didn't have any problems with any teachers all of my teachers were great all I got along with all of the students I remember even like at the end of my first semester even John came you were like really you don't have a problem with any teacher at all like no <laughs> students giving you shit or nothing I'm like no man everyone's cool <laughs> yo I mean shit coming from where like shit you know every every other you know every, every once in a while I would hear about some shit going on or you were switching yeah. schools or whatever yeah. so it was just you know and it was it was I was happy for you, man. I mean, hearing that you were actually out here by yourself, like going to fucking music school and getting classically trained like Sinister Gates and shit. <laughs> it's just like, man, it's just like for real. It ended up working out, man. Yeah. You know? And I'm I'm very hopeful for the band you have going on right now. Do y'all have a name? Yeah, Moira. Moira. Yo, yeah. Shout out to my dolls, Moira out here, Washington yeah. Heights, man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the first Dominican metal band. But <laughs> <laughs> well, no, let's see. The drummer is Colombian and the bassist is Puerto Rican. Fuck so. Colombians. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, the per, whoever you are, you know why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, man, listen. Colombians globalize the cocaine trade and now everybody can get rich. So I got no problem with them. Bro. God bless them. Okay. God bless them. Yeah. Fuck them. No, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, so we're pretty ethnically diverse, kind oh, okay. of. Not, you know, I don't know. As, at, at least y'all got some, some mixes in there, but yeah, um, I mean, just different level flavors of spick. Not really <laughs> much of a. It's like different flavors of spick. It's oh, like oh, what the fuck have, does Dominican taste like? Adobo. It's just like oh, Dominican and Puerto Rican. That's barely. That's like, barely that's different, like, bro. That's like I've met people who are like black and Dominican and be like, oh, I'm mixed, and it's just like shut the. That's fuck not up. a mix. That's just Dominican extra black. <laughs> Like, that's not like, like, yo, let me get some Dominican extra black, that's please. That's it, please. Like, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, I'm like Dominican, hold all the black. They're <laughs> <laughs> like cafe with way too much leche. Way like, too when they were putting in the milk, like the phone rang, and they were like, oh shit. <laughs> and then they turned and they were like, oh fuck. Oh, oh shit. For real, bro. God's like, I undercooked this one. <laughs> he ain't burned this one, he undercooked it. Yeah. But shit, man. Let me see how long I've been going real quick. Oh, wow, okay. But I mean,. At the end of the day, how long did it take you to get your music degree at Manus? It was like three to four years because I did sort of like a fast track program and then I did like a, a fast, different... Fast not track a fast track program, but like, how do I describe it? It was like a first one for like one degree and then I kind of switched to like another degree. So it was like, yeah. So it was... What, what did you switch from and to? It was like a, like a called, just like a, a music diploma, like 
regular movie diploma, they had a specific name for it, and then into, like, the bachelor program, so, like, yeah. So, instead of just, like, a two-year degree, you ended up going after the four-year? I went for, like, well, like, a th- I guess it's a three-year degree. It's, like, it's You weird. got it in three years, but I'm sure you can get it faster, same way you can graduate early. Yeah, 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 I got it in three years, yeah, so wow. it's like that. So, so you're proficient. <laughs> I mean, yo, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to stroke you under the table here or nothing. I appreciate But that. clearly you're proficient if you got your bachelor's in fucking classical music in three years. Right. Well, I mean, it's, here's the thing, like, I just, I just liked it, you know, I was, I was working so much in war school and it's like, and everybody was asking me, like, man, you're not tired, you're always working in war school and it's like, I, I, I enjoyed it, man, because I looked at it like this, you know, people always talk about, you know, making it and I saw it as, well, I'm in the days where I'm making it, so, like, to me, it was a joy, like, you know, going to school, going to work, you know, especially for me, you know, like, living on my own, like, I took such great pride in that because, you know, like, growing up, I'm sure you know this a lot, a lot of people. I thank you, but you know, too better than anyone, you know, growing up, a lot of people thought that I was a screw up, that I was just a fuck up, that I wasn't going to be able to manage, like, living on my own, you know, a lot of, like, relatives who, you know, when I, you know, talk, always talked about growing, going to New York and stuff like that, everybody, hardly anybody had anything positive to say, everybody always felt the need to remind me how expensive it was, how difficult it was, and blah, 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 oh, yeah, and hardly yeah, yeah, yeah. any, you know, like, I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to get my own apartment in Manhattan and watch, and everybody would either just, like, be like, oh, that's so expensive, and you think this, and, you know, they would call me a dreamer, make fun of me, or just straight up laugh at me, or whatever, so, for me, when I, like, did all that shit, it was, like, kind of like, yeah, fuck, oh, yeah, yeah, like, I mean, yeah. for your information, all the people listening right now, I am recording this in his apartment in Manhattan, <laughs> where he lives by himself, so it's just, like, I mean, uh, to all those people that were hating on my dog, yeah. I mean, I was there from day one, y'all know I told this boy, you do it, do what you want, bro, you go out to New York, whatever, so... To all y'all boys that were hating on my dog, y'all fuck y'all, bro. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, one, of, one of the only people, too, was like LT with another friend of mine. You know, I remember I used to be like, yeah, man, when I turn 18, 17, I'm going to move to New York. And I'm going to do my thing. And I'm going to my apartment. And he was like one of the only few people who'd be like, yeah, man, that's awesome. And I'm going to be visiting you at your place and all like that. And it's just like, that's exactly how it was. So shout out to LT, LT Putnam. Yo, LT Putnam, bro. You're my yeah. dog, bro. We got to get him on here. Yeah. As like as far as like telling him this exists, because I don't think he knows that this podcast <laughs> exists. Yeah. So definitely shout out to LT. Just, yeah. The, the day that you hear this LT, trust me, bro, you'll feel real good inside. <laughs> <laughs> that's not just because my dick's in there. <laughs> but no, LT's so, been cool ever since I, uh, you know, I met him yeah, back yeah, in Boca, LT, man. Boy, yeah, God. Where's he at now? He stayed in Ohio. He's been no, no. He's been moved. He's lived in Massachusetts now, and then for like years now, he's been living in New England. Now he's up in Maine. So oh, up yeah, in, up in Boston. He was in Boston, but now he's in. Uh, then he moved to like what is it, Nan. Tucking Massachusetts, Nantucket. or Attleboro, Massachusetts, something. I'm not. You sure. gotta give this motherfucker's address. Yeah, yeah, like, forget it, because like, nobody even knows who we're talking about. So they're like, "Who's this mystery nigga?" Like, <laughs> <describing?" laughs> like, yeah. Oh man, it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you, man. So now let's. I mean, post Manus and, and post the music experience, something that I mean, as much as you know, I always thought I didn't need classical training. I mean, yeah. I, or, or going to school for music, I always. Saw it as something that was so pointless because right. I mean I, even practical degrees seem fucking pointless yeah. at this point. And I and I still think they are. Like don't get me wrong. Like I I went to school because I went to school specifically for something I wanted. And you know right. But for anybody else, to be honest, yeah, I still think practical degrees. I think they're a waste of time. I that's think quote they're a scam. unquote practical. I think yeah. it's subjective. I think I still think it's a scam. I think if you want to go to school for a specialty, like if you something that you need a degree or something like an engineer, one hundred percent. But just to go to college, to go to college, I think. 
I, I wouldn't encourage most young people to do it, especially in this stage with the student loans and shit and all the debt you end up. Like, the time that you spent going to college, you could literally spend those first two years just working, working, yes. living at your parents' house, saving paper, and then the next two years going out of trade school or building a skill or whatever. It's like, unless it's like for a specialized career, I, I still think even me as someone who's a graduate, I would say college is a waste of time. Sorry, but... It's crazy, because uh, a lot of people don't see it that way. A lot of people go to college because their parents went to college, or their yeah. parents are pushing them to go to college, or they think that that's the only way that they're going to be successful in life. And I kind of feel bad for those people. Yeah. Not yeah, because I'm too. better than them or anything, right. but just because I don't have that burden over my head where I feel like oh, I, I need to, to go to this. college yeah. right, to, to make someone else happy when I know it's not making me happy. Yeah. And when I made that decision, again played very heavily influenced by the fact that you made the decision that you didn't want to go to college. Right. And that's because I just, I saw you as an influence to me. We, we started playing our instruments a month apart and all that. So <clears throat> when you made that decision, it kind of clicked for me. Like, fuck, man, maybe I don't need to go to college. You know what I mean? Maybe it's <laughs> a necessity. Oh, damn. Now you're making me sound like a bad influence. <laughs> no, it was a great influence, man, because I'm 21 uh, and I make more money than anybody yeah. that I know right now. Yeah, yeah. So to me, those... The the year or two years that I had in the work field ahead of everyone else who decided to right, go to college right. or community college, it benefited me. It padded my resume. It gave me work experience. And at the end of the day, if you have a bachelor's degree and uh, $20,000 worth of debt and no work experience, yeah, you're not worth you're, you're shit. You're not worth someone who has no bachelor's degree and two years of work exactly. experience. Exactly. I mean, I it's just like, again, it's like sort of like a big scam to get everybody to fall into, you know, without like getting into any big experience there or anything. But it's like, yeah, I don't... Uh, we're about to. I, def- I feel like everyone's about to default on their student loans too. They can't pay them back. Yeah, exactly. I really don't see how most people are going. I think, I just think when like, people just tell you that because like, oh, you gotta go to school because you gotta be successful. It's like, oh, so you don't struggle. So you're saying if I go to college, I won't struggle. Like this is the dumbest shit ever. Right. You know, you're, there's there's everything is a struggle. Anything worth doing is gonna be a struggle. So you have to. You just have to pick what struggle you want to do. You know, do you want to do the same struggle that everybody else is going to do and then at the end of it have no real reward or do you want to go through your own struggle? And that's how I always saw it, you know, because one of the things, you know, when I did finally decide to go to school and stuff like that, you know, part of the reason I didn't want to at first was because at first, really at first, I never just saw myself like as that kind of person, you know, like even going into Manus, it took me for a long time to really feel comfortable there, even though everybody was very welcoming and nice because I always kind of just saw myself like kind of like as a dirtbag metal head musician i never really envisioned myself like just being on that caliber you know that being on the level that i could even get there you know so for me when i used to walk you know the halls of madness like dress like really elegantly for a recital with my you know classical guitar in hand like i sometimes like looked at myself like fuck i can't believe i you know because i never saw myself as that you know I, I never told anybody that but that's one of the reasons i didn't ever want to go to school to begin with because i didn't think that i had that in me i didn't think i could be like that i didn't think i was intelligent enough or whatever had that it thing you know to get there you know yeah the the, the it factor the yeah. x factor and i feel i feel that way when i get to work in the morning and my fucking 13 si you know <laughs> yeah, oh, civic oh fuck you but whatever dude to me it's a nice fucking car mm. and you know i walk in I fucking I open the door to my office. I yeah, it feels good. My desk, my computer, my my pictures, and everything. And it's just like, 
wow, like, shit. I mean, how many people at 21 can say they have right. their own fucking office? Dog? I know. I, I, I know exactly how you feel because this is like when I was 18, like that first moving out of my own, man, that first night yeah. in my own place, I was like, oh my God, this is mine. I'm paying for this shit by myself. And when I was, you know, started like in the workforce and I got myself, you know, like, I got promoted to manager, like, at, like one of my first jobs, and I was, like, calling my mom, and I was like, oh, I got promoted, and this and oh, that, and man, I was like, too, and I was like, I couldn't believe it, because it was like, again, it was like, I kept replaying, like, all that bullshit I used to hear and stuff like that, like, even from relatives, they used to tell me, oh, Lennon, you're not going to be able to live on your own, you're not going to be able to, because this, you're just, not even because of the expensive, just because who I was, they didn't think that I would turn out to be a capable adult, so, like, when I just saw myself, like, how anybody else, like, when I saw myself living on my own, working, getting promoted, like, I was 18 and manager of like niggas in their 30s and 40s. I was like, <laughs> yo, like, oh my God. I just, it was hard not to like, you know, like, let me brush my shoulders off a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. So sometimes you gotta flex on them, yeah, bro. Yeah, but bro. you know what I mean? When you're fucking 18, 19 and you're getting promoted to manager. Yeah, it feels good, man. Yeah, fuck yeah, it does, man. Because you're doing your job and it's something that you didn't expect, bro. I guarantee you. I, I did not 100%. Like, I never... Here's the thing. I, I don't know if it's because I heard it so much or whatever, but I never imagined myself being able to be a productive member of the workforce. I always imagined myself growing up that I would be come to New York and even while I was living here, I would be basically working like a real like you know dead end job or nothing because that's all I could qualify for and just you know working as a musician at night or whatever and then going through a real struggle I never and you know just holding like whatever shitty job and then just being whatever at it. I never imagined like really myself that I could find a job that I could be good at to the point that I could be promoted and I don't know if it's because like I heard it so much somebody else, but I I did not see myself at all like even a year before I was in that position you know which was like this is I'm talking about like in mid 2014 even like going back a year before that like in mid 2013 i did not see myself as a person like capable of those things you know that's a big um step that i had to overcome in even becoming a drummer i mean uh for a band i'm saying not right. just picking up the drums but playing gigs and stuff it, it's something that a lot of people you know i've gotten a lot of you know compliments or whatever and i've had people come out and see me play yeah but it's just it, it still hasn't even really sunk in there when i'm sitting there loading my shit up and I feel like a struggling musician. I don't feel like I'm doing anything special. Right. You know what I mean? But I love it. Yeah. There's no, there's no feeling that I've gotten like when you're having an amazing <laughs> fucking set and you're seeing people vibe into your shit. I know. Like my my favorite my favorite thing as a drummer is when you're playing a beat and you see someone in the crowd air drumming your <laughs> shit. It's almost like when you're playing a solo and you see people air guitaring. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's that feeling like yo, I'm. I'm in the groove right now. This motherfucker's feeling what I'm doing. You like know when people mean? compliment your playing, man, that's like the for greatest me, feeling in the world. For bro. me, I love when, when, when people, anybody compliments my playing, obviously. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Too. But for me, it, it meant a lot when uh, some of the other drummers in the scene came up to yeah. me and told me that they're like, whoa, I never... I never heard you play, and like today, I actually listened to you, and like you're great. That's the best, man. When other like people who play your instrument compliment you and tell you like, yo, that's you're the shame. I'm just like, like specifically, yeah, Joe from Ears One, man, <laughs> a drummer that I think is yo low key. I mean, I love everybody in the scene, but my dog Joe is just. I mean, he's just so tasty. Kev, Kev too from from Macronium, fucking born beneath thousand pounds of thrust. All the bands you're in, bro, you're you're a savage, but. The first drummer that I noticed was a standout drummer. The first drummer that I saw was like, fuck, was definitely Joe, heavy hands, Hannah over here. <laughs> and um, I played a set at, at Churchill's on the on the floor stage. And I think it was at the 420 show. 
and the four the the four twenty uh, headbangers bowl. <laughs> after it was a sick set, there's video of it on our Instagram. Um, and after the set, Joe came up to me. He's like, "Yo, man, I see you've been working on your double bass, man. Like yeah. it was clean." And I was just like, "Man, coming from you, that means a lot." Yeah, man. bro. I, I, yo, I know that exact feeling, man. You got like like people who you know like are boss like complimenting you, like yeah, like to me, he's. He's he's just levels above a lot of the drummers in the scene right now. A lot of people stay in the pocket and shit. And right. He's always someone where you see his set, bro. He's never doing the same shit twice. You know, I mean, he'll do the same fills to stay, you know, stuff you hear on the record. But he like the Hendrix. And he'll drumming. mix it up. He'll mix it up. Yeah. No, he's great, man. I, I I love Joe. I love Ears One. I love what they're doing. And I love Kevin. You know, what I mean, the Ears, drummer special from last episode. Ears One is kick ass, man. Like that's the band that like, you showed me, and like I like them from the first time you showed me like them like about a year ago. I was like, yo, I like this guy. And you're like. Yeah, so even me, hey, shout out to Ears One. Fuck yeah. JC has put me up on game on you guys. You guys are awesome. I can't Thank wait you, to man. see you guys opening for Lamb of God and things like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, if anyone. Hey, maybe even Avenged Sevenfold. You guys <laughs> Yo, honestly, I mean, other than Ralph, uh, Lou, Lou actually, Lou is their guitar player. Uh, he saw Avenged Sevenfold with a Rev. Wow. Before he passed. So I'm hella jealous about that. Like, I, know, I know that feeling. It's like people who've seen Slayer. With Jeff and like I was like Jeff Hanneman oh my or God. Dave Lombardo even yeah oh, my favorite Imagine living that. my favorite living drummer Dave Lombardo <laughs> and, yo I mean I I envy drummers like Dave Lombardo because he's not he doesn't even have to be in a band to be successful he's so goddamn good at what he does that like, he gives Dave lessons Lombardo. dude he what is he, like, he just who, who the hell wouldn't want to take showcases with Dave or something Lombardo. is that what he yeah. does he does clinics yeah clinics okay. yeah so think about that you're you're so good at your craft. He's literally like that term. Hell, he's right. putting on a clinic. Right. He's literally yeah. putting on a fucking clinic. Here's the thing: a, a lot of people don't understand. And I was I was gonna talk about, but then we got sidetracked. Was you know when we were growing up? I I know I can speak for you and I on this. You know when we talked about being musicians and stuff like that and being successful. Everybody you know thinks that you're saying, oh, you want to play Madison Square Garden, that you want to do this, and you know obviously that's great if you get there, you want to chase it, but we just want to make a living. You know that that's it, man. You know if I could make a decent living, you know pay all of my bills and then some like doing what I love that's all you know you, you want you know that's all I wanted anyways you know I agree 100% like people don't get that everybody thinks they mean you know you're trying to be like the next Jimi Hendrix or the next you know John Bonham whoever and it's like we just want to make a living you know doing this you know and that's not impossible that's not as, as crazy as people think it is you know 100% I mean if I could be the next fucking Mac DeMarco that, <laughs> that, that dude he's not Super famous, but he makes enough money to where he doesn't have to do anything other than make right. music. And he doesn't live big. He drives a normal car. He wears normal clothes. Yeah. So I want to get to the point where I don't have to work a nine to five. Right. My music's paying for my shit, whether I'm living extravagantly or not. It's just yeah. somewhere to where I'm doing something that's not taxing on my mental of health. Of course, yeah, yeah. And as much as I love my gig and, and you know having a job that's reliable and that pays me a good amount and that gives me a lot of freedom <clears throat> and my own space and stuff. At the end of the day, I'm still working for somebody else. I'm still yeah. working an eight to four. I'm still working a Monday through Friday gig, and, and it's not what I want to be doing with my life, man. No, and of, and of course not, you know, but it's because, but that's why, you know, we do what we do. But I, for me, like, you know, every, one of the big things, too, like for people on the outside looking in, it was like, you know, that it's like there's so much risk in what we're doing, and it's like, I, n I never really saw it like that. To me, it was, there was never no risk in going after your dream. I, I saw it on the opposite. I saw, to me, yes. there was a tremendous risk. And not in, going after And, yeah, and playing it safe. Because I know, knowing me, man, 
10 years from now, if I didn't try, because here's the thing, if, you know, you try, you give it like a decent amount of time, whether it's just five, six years, and you know, you don't get to where you want to be, well then, whatever, you, you don't, you didn't get there, but you, you won't hate yourself because you know you tried. But to me, man, if I like never tried and like 10 years passed and I wouldn't want to be like, I would, I mean, without, I don't want to get too dark, but I wouldn't want to live, man. No, you know. Because um, that, that's, you know, it for me is just like, to me, there was no risk in going after my dream and saying that like I tried and, and you know, pursuing it. To me, the, the big risk was like. Not doing it. Ex- yeah, waking up one day and regretting my life, regretting my choices, you know, because I didn't, I wasn't where I wanted to be. Which for me at the time when I was 16 meant, you know, still being in my mid to late 20s, still living in Florida, working at some whatever job, never having, you know, moved out to New York and stuff. And so, whatever. And No, no, but you did it, man. You went to school, you graduated, you have a fucking bachelor's in classical music or whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and you're living on your own in the heights, man. You're, you're the epitome of success yeah. for anyone that's in our age range well, right let's now. Not, let's not hype myself up too much. Fuck Then it's going to be, it's gonna be like... This to is, me, to me, this is the Lennon Valoy podcast. <laughs> Look, man, um, I mean, if I wasn't in a situation where I needed the space to rehearse and I needed the, the, the disposable income to be able to be in a band and pay my expenses, I would want to move out too. I, I would love to have my own space, but I'm just mm-hmm. not in a position where that's convenient yeah. for me right now and also chase my goals um, outside of a professional, right. like, I mean, you know, like a corporate one of well, the, well, part of this thing is like regardless of even if you know it's not a business, you can still sacrifice it. You know, you have to make certain sacrifices. You know, like I myself have had to make those, and those sacrifices vary vary on who you are and where you are. You know, like so for you, it's you know being in South Florida means you know having to do this, this, and that. For me, being in New York, it means having to give up a lot of you know like my personal life a lot. You know, like I don't really, as you know, I don't really have much like of a really. Like life outside my music or my work, because that's like what I bury myself into, you know. And you know, try, I, you know, I don't have anything against that. I think it's a very smart way to do it because I, I mean, when I when I was in a relationship, I got distracted all the time. I didn't, and I, honestly, still, I don't feel like I put in the time that I need to put in with my instrument and with my craft. <laughs> it's sad, but um, I feel like you're you're making the the right choice because there's always going to be room to find somebody. To spend your life with. I see dudes who've been married three times, divorced three times, who still yeah. find someone to marry in their 50s. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, Whereas, once you're 50, if you're trying to become a musician, you look like a fucking idiot. Yeah. Well, I don't think you look like an idiot, but it's like, you, you know, look there, like, is, there is an age where it's like, with our kind of... ridiculous. With our thing, it's like, yeah, there is kind of like a cutoff age, you know, where you're... Whereas, like, you know, it's not like being a comedian. Being a comedian is like one of those things where like, if you're funny, you're funny, man. Like, no matter who you are, what you look like, what age you are. You know, being yeah. a musician, you know, obviously it's all image about the music, how you play. But yeah, image matters. You know? Sadly, man, image does matter. You know. And, I mean, Macronium is one of the bands out in Miami that's doing it the best as far as their image is concerned. Their stage show is always great. Joe has an amazing fucking stage presence. And everyone just does their shit. Um... And image does matter, and when you're, I mean, and I've seen people who are in their forties who are still in, you know, playing the same fucking venues that I'm playing, bro. And there's nothing wrong with that when you're doing it for fun. And I feel like a lot yeah. of the bands that are doing that understand that they're not really going anywhere, and they're just doing it to get out of the house on a fucking Saturday. Yeah, night, and that's you know cool. I mean? That's awesome. That's fine. That's fine. But that's not what I'm trying to do. Right. Me neither. And that's not what Eras One's trying to do. That's not what Macronium's trying to do. That's not what a lot of the bands in the scene right now that are trying to get out of this. No, you all want to. Be headliners. We all want to 
when we're playing in South Florida, we want it to be the culture room. When we're playing in New York, we want it to be Hammerstein Ballroom. When we're playing 100%. in Los Angeles, we want it to be the Hollywood, Hollywood Palladium. Hell yeah. Oh, I'm going to say the Hollywood Palladium. If, if you're brave enough to go for the Hollywood Bowl, and go for it, man. 18,000. Do it. <laughs> go for it, bro. I'm actually going in October to Los Angeles to see Ozzy Osbourne at the Hollywood Bowl. I'm envious. Yeah, I want to see if I can save up and go with that. I, am, I would like I am, to go to Cali. I am such a fan of like the whole West Coast California culture, even though like I've never been there. It's like all of my favorite artists are from California. Even my favorite rapper, Ice Cube. I love lowriders, <laughs> as you know. My favorite car is a six four, six three Impala. So yeah. like, I'm like always for years. I've been a big fan of like the whole like Los Angeles, Southern California like vibe and culture. So like to go for the first time, see the Pacific Ocean for the first time with my own eyes. It's like I'm gonna, like I already got a list of all the places I'm gonna see, like Dodger Stadium, the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, where my boy OJ got it on and popping in his college days. <laughs> Santa Monica Pier. <laughs> Your yeah. boy OJ. You, you kind of look like skinny OJ though. Look, man, know. two thousand yards, two thousand and three <laughs> yards in a fourteen game season. It's never been done, bro. It's never been done. If you average it out, two thousand and three yards by fourteen, that's like what a hundred and thirty nine yards a game. That's that's a record never been beaten, bro. It's the juice, man. Look, man, I'm not gonna sit here and I deny know. the juice. All right. Yeah, but, let's uh, not. Let's not <laughs> we would like to say we here at the throne do not advocate the <laughs> Allegedly, he did get off on that charge. You know, that's right. Allegedly, <laughs> you know, you know what's funny? Uh, there's a singer from the '80s. His name is Orin Juice Jones, and he's I'm not so, And he's got a song. It's called "In the Rain." It's like the most '80s music video ever, and it's just like basically the premise is like some dude suave. Like tall black dude, whatever. Like in his own in his place in New York, he's got like the nice like Armani suit and shit like that. And he's just so the premise of the video is like he's is about his girlfriend. He follows her like one evening like that, even though he's always like ten feet behind her the whole video. She never notices because right. it's raining, I guess. And he's like he sees her cheating on her, and he's just singing about it like how he sees her and stuff like that. And it's just like yeah. And the song is called In the Rain. And he's like, I saw you and him walking in the rain. <laughs> and, it's like, and it's like, at the end of the video, the end of the video, he's like, hey, baby, how you doing? It's like, I missed you. You know, I miss you so much. I even followed you today. That's right. And I saw you and your little friend. And this is that. And it's just like, yeah. So that's right. So you better get out of here, baby. I saw you guys and I was about to go ramble on you. But I didn't want to mess up my $500 or whatever, $1,000 suit. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I'm letting you know, baby, you gone. And all the jewelry, that's right, baby, because you ain't know without me. You without me is cornflakes without the milk. I'm the juice, baby. <laughs> it's oh, like, swear to God. That's God, me. for real, yeah. dude. Like, so get out of here, baby, and give me that fur coat and shit like that. <laughs> Anybody wants it, look this up. It's, it's In the Rain by Orin Juice Jones. It's the funniest shit ever because it's like not even a joke. This is not really how, like, I guess... People talk like this in the 80s, I don't know. <laughs> oh, man, it's pretty fucking 80s, man. Yeah, I mean, and I guess just because it was foggy and raining, you didn't notice your significant other 10 feet behind you the whole night. Hey, man, you know, I've been there. That's they, right, you were telling <laughs> <laughs> And they did not notice, so it's not as hard as you might think. That's true, and you were you were pretty yeah, right. recognizable right. guy. Yeah, sure, sure, yeah, yeah sure. Allegedly. Uh, yeah. I think I, on that note... I, I guess in the 80s, there was just a lot of, like... Good looking, suave black dudes in our minds <laughs> walking around New York with gold chains. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know, that's crazy. Man. I, but I, I think on that note, we could wrap it up, man. We've yeah. been going on for over an hour. Yeah, we've 
talked enough shit, I think. Yeah, man. So I just want to thank everybody for listening to this point. I want to thank Lennon for being on the first New York edition of Thank you for having me, man. I feel privileged. Like Why privileged? Almost, yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> just up, it's dude? almost like Yo, join right now at the end of the show of our boy Michael out here. Yo, Michael, say what's up to the throne right here, man. And saying what's up to the throne out here from Manhattan, New York. That's what's up. Thank you, man. Happy to hear from everybody. Hope everybody out there is doing great. Yeah. Hope you're recovering from Irma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think on that note, we're going to wrap it up, man. Y'all take care out there, man. Be easy. Fuck you. <laughs>